0: hey 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 goodbye
1: <laughs> honestly <laughs> grant and i went in cold to that and andy was so pumped to start this episode and i should have known was something like that but uh yeah the first episode of this podcast where we don't have a head coach and his name isn't jeff lashle um yeah i was pretty surprised it happened so fast um to be quite frank, but we'll get into that quick. But um yeah, welcome into the production line podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham and Andy. And before we uh we'll quickly break down the last the final two games of the Red Wings regular season before we get into all the the meaty news stuff regarding the Jeff Blashel decision and Steve Eisman's press conference that happened. Roughly an hour and a half ago from recording this, um, quick word from our show's show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink Bet US. Bet US as your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for betus.com with promo code RINK for 125 sign up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for 125 sign up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay of the industry. Bet US, you bet, you win, you get paid. Bet Whew. All right. Yeah, it feels weird. Um, did, I don't know. Does this season feel really fast for you guys as well?
2: I would say so, but towards the end, it started feeling really long, and I was ready for playoffs. I'd rather watch playoffs than watch a team that's beaten down with a beaten down head coach, too. So, yeah, I, like, I was really excited for playoffs.
0: Yeah, from like game like Sixty three to six, like sixty five ish, and on it was just as a wings fan, devastating. Are so you telling or
1: me you tell me you weren't really you didn't like the first line of only Joe Valeno and Lucas Raymond in Toronto? I
2: loved it. They're the best first line we had all year, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> obviously, there's there were parts to enjoy. I'm not saying I, I watched damn near every game unless I had something else going on, but. I just, there were a lot of parts to not enjoy as well.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, like we'll, yeah, kind of like maybe recap, recap a little bit after we do these little, these games quick, but I mean, these games can kind of just be lumped together in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Redding's lost three, nothing to Toronto, which we saw Austin Matthews unfortunately score his 60th goal. Uh, but I mean, if we were really going to put money on that game, it was going to happen. I put two fifty
0: on them to get two that night.
2: You put two fifty on Matthews to get two.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> you think I'm dumb? No. Yeah, that's what I thought.
2: Dude, I told that, you guys. Oh.
0: I told you guys after we recorded last time that he's hammering it. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I hammer. Oh my it. god.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll get into Grant's bet too, but oh my, yeah, quickly got out of this game, but. Man, yeah, Lucas Raymond and Joe Valeno literally lined up. Usually when they go roll eleven to seven, you do eleven the the two forwards as the fourth line. I've never seen it w- with the first line before, but honestly, like I don't really blame the Red Wings or Jeff Lashell in that sense for I liked that decision. It. I did too.
2: Um, I did I did I did like him using Michael Rasfiuson into uh to a crazy extent and literally put a lot on his plate. And he, I thought for the most part, he handled it really well. I thought Ras played really good playing eight 24 in the first period or whatever it was. It oh was five. over eight. It was over eight minutes for a 23 year old that has not, is not is still, a, in my opinion, not completely established in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. he's an IHL player, but to what extent doesn't, is still unknown, but has played really good at, uh, down the stretch put some pressure on him. He was on pace for over 24 minutes that night after the first and playing in every situation. It was tough
1: that he ended up being the guy that was matched against Austin Matthews, whose entire mission from the whole Maple Leafs lineup was to feed him the puck at any cost. Yeah. I mean, he got burnt in front by that the first Matthews goal. The second one was on the power play, and I don't really – fault him that much on that one but i mean he did get beat in the first one but again yeah Rasmussen, said i thought he, he was one of our strongest players
2: yeah i just i have trouble getting down on a guy for getting beat by a 60 goal score also yeah. when you're a guy that has been playing third and fourth line and not well most of the season and lately, yeah right you just came on strong yeah so. um but
1: yeah i thought Najalkovich played well this game i'll throw that in there I mean, three nothing loss. I mean, we had no offense, which was to be expected. I if we were going to win, it was going to be like a one or two nothing win. If we were we were going to hope for anything,
2: they they create so many high danger chances too. The Leafs do it just with Matthews and Marner on the ice. There was going to be a lot, and Ned played very well. Yep, and then uh, moving into New
1: Jersey, um, last game of the season, and it's kind of fitting that Hellberg starts against the Devils. You know, hell. And Devils, I don't know. I'm probably, I'm pretty sure that joke's been overdone at this point. But yeah, um, finally got his, finally got his one game after being signed, uh, and he looked fine. I really didn't have an issue with his game. He didn't save the Red Wings really in any means. He had a nice breakaway save on Sharon Govich, but otherwise, like he, which which goal was it? Was it the Zetterlin goal, Grant? That it was kind of leaky.
2: Yeah, probably. Zetterland looks so good during Unbelievable. the game, though, And I really thought he deserved to score, so it didn't matter. He danced, Philip
1: Heronik. Absolutely walked him like a dog. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was nasty. Um, but, yeah, Rasmussen scored a minute into this game. And really nice play by Sonny to start it up. But, yeah, Rasmussen, he had 15 goals in the year. That shouldn't be, like, forgotten about. Like, that's a good season. I don't don't remember remember.
2: who was talking about it exactly, but someone – it might have been Mickey before the game was discussing. I don't know who exactly it was, but someone was talking about how Rasmussen's been more amped to cut to the middle and, like, use his body than uh, years past. And literally a minute into the game, he cut to the middle and took a shot and scored.
0: Yeah, Um, like what Elmer did in Sweden we oh yesterday was that yesterday last night oh uh, uh, yes yesterday, was- yesterday. yesterday yeah we'll, 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 get,
1: we'll get back to that we'll get back to that goal uh when we yes. get to Eisman's press conference but uh yeah no this game was uh I think it's kind of the perfect way to like end off the season two teams that like didn't have great season it was kind of a high scoring event like guys were not really the only person that was trying in this game was tyler bertuzzi and <laughs> he got it he got it. <laughs> Oh my!
0: Thing.
1: <laughs> my favorite, my favorite clip. Like I only saw at first was Bertuzzi's reaction to missing, where he dropped to his knees and when he hit the post of the empty netter. I didn't realize Cider did the same thing. The second, yeah. the second angle of Cider oh. holding his hands to his head too, hilarious. I really liked that the the guys came together, and really like, were like, all right, we're gonna get Bertuzzi thirty goals. It almost seemed like maybe there's something in his contract about thirty goals, like a little bonus. I don't know.
2: I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is, but also I think you just, that's a milestone you just really want to hit. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, do you think yeah. like the, do you think like a, for bonuses, do you think that Austin Matthews has 60 goals on his bonus? I'm sure he has like, like 50
1: or something like that.
2: Yeah. But would you think there was like a 60 one in there?
1: Oh man. I don't know. That'd be insane. <laughs> but, but you gotta think about it. bonuses too. Like the Leafs would be really stupid to put that in because like, you have to worry about overages and stuff for yeah. the Cavs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think the way the leaf structure their contracts and stuff, it's all signing bonuses. That's it. Yeah. Right. I think that's the only bonus they hit. Their rookie contracts. Yeah. Like, those
1: are all, bo- th- those have bonuses within them, but that's like how the CBA works is like rookies get to have bonuses yeah. in their contracts.
0: Yeah. I think they, most of the CBA, at least I think so, anyways, from what it sounds like, is most like after your entry level deal, you just have, like a signing bonus, that's it. No yeah. really performance bonus. But yeah. uh I mean he's paid well enough anyways, as it is. No, I, I was yeah, Bertuzzi was pretty
1: jacked. Like that's the biggest celebration I've seen for an empty net goal in a while. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um well, we yeah, also like, gotta
0: think in like negotiations for like future contracts. Oh yeah, it's it's a big it's a big thing to say you're a twenty goal scorer. Yeah, let alone thirty. Yeah, like twenty goal score in the NHL. Like, um, you always hear the story of like Jimmy Hayes when he uh, had he had like nineteen with twenty games left or something like that, and he missed like three or four empty nets, and like he didn't get the twenty. He's like, holy shit! He's like, I'm going to get paid this year, and then never end up getting the twenty. But like, thirty goals, that's it's gonna be big time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I also liked with this game that we got to see. Cider, you have to see like Cider's like true, how do I say it? like like not um, greatness is like an over exaggeration, but kind of. So he makes a really he makes kind of a dumb error, which is kind of a rarity for him, where he kind of just throws it up to the wall to the point and it gets turned over and it ultimately leads to Dawson Mercer's goal. Um but then he gets to come back later in the game and he ends up scoring for his fiftieth point of the year. Um I remember at the beginning of the season for our preseason predictions saying how, yeah, Mort are like, five goals, 20 assists. I'll be happy with that. Like, 25 points as a defenseman. That's a pretty great year. Dude doubled me. Yeah. Crazy.
0: You know what, seven and 43 or something like that? Or? Yeah,
1: seven goals, 43 <laughs> assists.
0: Yeah. So, your goals weren't too far off. Seven goals is good for any really defenseman that's – I mean, not a one defenseman. You're walking around, like, 10 to 15. But, yeah. as a rookie defenseman, seven's phenomenal, like – Dude, I guess
1: <laughs> it, that goal was so sweet to, like nobody really knew it went in at first too like Ken was convinced but like it took a little bit for everyone to like kind of realize what happened and yeah every, all the boys seemed excited about Cider's 50th point too which oh, was yeah. awesome. Um yeah, we also there's kind of like a, another goal in this game from Pew Suter that also was kind of that was a we really weird one. That was arguably more weird in the sense that we went to commercial without knowing it was a goal or not. Because it looked like across right. the it looked like across the line, and Ken was convinced about it, but they didn't. They went into commercial without knowing. They came back and it was reviewed, and it showed up as it barely crossed the line. That was a tough call. Like I was like, "Ooh, I, did, I actually didn't think it was in at first, But good for Puse. Like he ends up finishing the year with thirty six points. I think he had, which not it was roughly right around where we, where we predicted him to be
0: at. Mid, yeah, between thirty and forty on a really good year. What is what we had right. in, I believe was what we said. So. Yeah, was right in the middle of it. Yeah, no, I thought
1: he, yeah, he was he he was kind of like a real, he was a really interesting case study this season where he would be so up and so down. Like I felt like at times I'm like, oh, he could be a second line center in the NHL, but then afterward, at like some points, I'm like, oof, he sh- barely should be in the lineup.
2: And I thought he finished
1: Correct. the year off strong as well, so it was nice for him to get a goal. And Joe a guy who's been snake bitten, like a lot of this year and got to get get a goal. I know Grant, we we're, to, we were on FaceTime during this, and Grant was a little bit pissed. Uh, Grant's currently have a little PC issue, but he'll be back in a second. But uh, yeah, Joe Valeno scoring, he, he was really rooting for Burt to put it in, so he was a little bit pissed that Burt missed the breakaway and then it went to Joe Valeno. Yeah. Um, no, I thought this was a real nice game for the team to finish on and ultimately for Jeff Laschel to finish on. I think we can move into that right now. I don't know about you. I don't know if you caught um, the press conferences leading up to like this last game, but it seemed like Jeff Blashill was at peace that he was done.
0: He, yeah, I didn't he was see in the, the the pregame pressers. I saw like a couple of clips of the postgame pressers and stuff like that. I did watch Eiserman's presser today, which I know we'll get into later. But um, I mean. The writing was on the wall, obviously. Like, we've been saying this for a while, and Red Wings Twitter has been going all over it and and whatnot. And then, like we said a couple of weeks ago that for sure Eisman already told him, he's like, you're staying here for the rest of the year, and after this year, you're not going to be back type of deal. So, I mean, like I guess to, like, get into what Steve said, he's like, he's a heck of a hockey coach. Like He's going to protect Jeff. Like, he's going to be so respectful from Jeff. But like he did give like seven years here. He did give a lot of his time and efforts to the team. It's just a new direction they want to go is how Steve put it. It's a new direction we want to go into. So to right. be politically correct, that's I, I understand that. I respect uh, Stevie's
1: wording yeah. on that. No, yeah. And like before we um, like keep going, I should say like the actual announcement came Saturday at 2 p.m. It's funny. I was working on a uh, I was working on my final paper for one of my college courses, and I had to stop completely and c- quickly put out a breaking article. And I barely got my paper in in time because I spent like forty five minutes cranking that out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so in total, it was Jeff Blashell will not be his contract will not be renewed. Doug Huda will not be renewed, and Jeff Suleko, all guys who have been there for a very long time. Doug Huda has been there the whole time that Blaschel was there. Right. hired the same year and, and doug huda before that it was 10 years on the bruins bench as an assistant coach which i forgot about um right. and Jeff Slaco came in the year after so those are guys that like were there for a very long time and it goes to show and i wanted to like point this out like how good of people they were like we can have our opinions about how they actually are like coaching perspective so like, before we break down how they were and what went wrong coaching wise, we should point out like they were good people and they don't deserve to be like slandered in that sense. We're not talking about the people in this. We're talking about strictly the position.
0: Yeah. The, how the team was playing in front of them or for them and then how they were kind of running the team, but no, as people, like you said it perfectly, like they were wonderful people and right. Other than probably like certain players that didn't disagree or that didn't have an agreement and certain, views of their role within the lineup and stuff like that and when it comes to the day-to-day things as a, as a human being like you said they're, they're good people so
1: yeah and I do appreciate um, so as we keep going on about Blashel I do appreciate that like I was expecting it to be a quick like it was less than 24 hours we found out about Blashel positioning but also you think about it Blashel going to the world championships to be an assistant coach for Team USA and it gives him an opportunity to showcase himself to potentially get future work Right. Instead of of Eisman leaving him in limbo for, I don't know, potentially a couple of weeks, whatever. Right. That's just that that less amount of time for him to interview and get his name out there from his agent or himself personally. Um, So I do I do appreciate that from Eisman. I think that's I think Jeff Lashell did say during the week that didn't talk about his future, but it seemed to me as he in his press conferences, like the way he talked about the team and stuff, it seemed like he knew Um, because like all season he did not make bold claims about like the rookies and stuff. They're saying, yeah, they're developing whatever the last press conference before the game, the pregame, he says, yes, Moritz Sider is the clear cut called her favorite. And Lucas Raymond should be second. And I thought that was pretty talent. I'm like, that's really out there. And that was a very pointed answer, which Blaschel never really gave. No,
0: especially, I mean, even under like uh, Kenny's regime, but even especially under like Stevie's regime, like coaches don't, I mean, and even Steve, like you saw his press conference today, I saw a good clip of it. Like, he he, he flat out at one point just said, he's like, I'm giving you an answer without actually giving you answers, if you guys can tell. Like, everything's tight-knit there.
1: Oh, my God. He's so much fun to, like, listen to. Because I I, I went into that, like, not expecting, like, information about the coaches. But, like, I was looking for myself for updates on prospects. And it entertains me how he actually answers questions. And he's so, like, very political with what he answers, as giving non-answers almost. And he's very um, polite about it. Like, he knows. Oh, yeah. No, he's not a,
0: their job. Yeah. He's <laughs> not a
1: jerk about it by any means. I'm not I'm not trying no. to point him out in that way. But like, no, exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Jeff Blaschel, obviously. So he was the I mean, that's kind of well known at this point. He was the second longest tenured head coach in the NHL, only behind his buddy, John Cooper. Um, yeah. And he's been with the organization. He w- had been with the organization since 2011. Whether that be is the assistant to Mike Babcock for one year or in Grand Rapids. Right. And anyone saying like I hated like in Facebook groups I was I kept seeing way overdue like should have happened five years ago. Yeah. I don't really agree with that, and I like how Eisman made a point to say that he took a t- he took over a team that wasn't very good. Right, and I would have argued that last year would have been the right time to make that decision to move on as the team was improving, but it would have been hard. It's a hard sell because. The team improved so much defensively. Wasn't really great offensively, but there was obviously a system in place that the team was building off of.
2: Right. I I disagree with you there. I think that this is the perfect time to make a change. I think last year would have been rushed. I think there were so many improvements towards the end of the season that we're really hopeful and looking forward to. As in this next year, he was about to get talent that he wasn't he hadn't seen in his years in Detroit except for his first year. This is the first year he was going to be bringing in talent, actually, and have a legitimate possible core, right? You had pieces like Verona that he didn't get to see with Larkin and stuff last year. There was the There was the certainty of Cider being there. There was the uncertainty about Raymond. But these are all guys that came over, and this is the first time that he was going to have a good group of skilled guys, not saying that they're good enough to compete against the best of the best, but they were competently skilled guys. Yeah, no,
1: and I agree. And that's what kind of what um, Eisman kind of alluded to in his press conference, because he was asked a question directly. I love how, like, I, I said, we we're gonna split these two together, but they're so intertwined that I feel like we can just kind of pull Eisman's answers when we talk about Blaschel. um, so that's what I think we're yeah. So back to this with your comment. Um yeah, Eisman felt that the team was more talent. This is the most talented group that he's had since he's been here. And he felt that it was time and they showed personally um how much they had proved and it, it went down back down the second half. And Eisman like a couple times during his press conference, really pointed out how how much the team needs to improve defensively and stated that was a reason why. Blasho was let go
0: yeah and he also said like personnel like as in defenseman that we have as well like it wasn't just putting the blame on Blasho like you were saying right but he, he was saying just in general <clears throat> they want a whole new direction kind of yeah. for the team defensively and then like they like la- it was like polar opposites from last season of this season where last year all we had was our defense and our goaltending and this year all we really had at most points was like, oh, well, we can lose a game nine seven, but we're still losing the game. Like, you know, like we had more offense, but the defensive game had just gone away completely in a right. lot of parts, like, and especially in big stretches throughout the year.
1: So it did cut, kind of, it did kind of seem that he sealed his fate a little bit, like that, bet let, that last from February, mid February on with like, I mean, there's 15 games in from February on of giving a five plus goals. Right. That's unacceptable for a team like so young, even like and it did seem like the team started to I mean, it didn't seem like it was a fact that they weren't they weren't as, in as gauged as engaged. Right. Wow. I flip that. That's wow. Um, <laughs> rough one. Um, but yeah, they weren't. In, it's not good for a young team to give up that late in a season. And have guys like Larkin. Like, Larkin was obviously, like, mentally drained. And I do think the best thing for him was not to play the last stretch. I think that's going to do him, like, so well towards the end.
2: Also, but- I think it's good good for a team to have your captain take some time away, too. Even when, when you know that your captain's completely drained, it weighs on the young players, I think, too. Uh, I'm not trying to bash Larkin. I'm just saying there was an energy when he was gone. It, it came back, and it was obvious players were rejuvenated right i'm not saying that i'm not saying that he's like was toxic or anything like that but when you're 26 and you've been in the league since 19 and you've been on a team that's hasn't been good he's played in the playoffs once it gets draining you're not playing meaningful games and then that that drain draining that it's that's going on him it's going to weigh on the other players too. Yeah, right. And,
0: with, and like with Larkin, like this year, like like you said, he was one physically like injured at the end of the year, near the end, but he was like physically drained, mentally drained. And like, you know how it is, Like if you're not having a great day that day and you show up to work, but you're the boss, saying he's like the captain, the boss of the locker room, that will wear off on other employees, believe it or not, especially young ones. And so maybe like, Everyone's like, oh, okay, well, Lurks is on, on edge today, or like he's not feeling well, like the energy's down a little bit. But also with him sitting out the last few games, it gave guys like Volano to go up on the first line, Rasmussen to get more minutes, other players where that excitement comes in too, I think a little bit because they're like, Oh, this is my chance. I want to I need to prove myself.
2: Especially yeah, like,
0: yeah. especially those two guys. Like Rasmussen has had a lot to prove and he's done well the last stretch of the season. But Volano wasn't really giving them that much of a shot other than the third line, sometimes filling on the second line, where now he got some power play time, first line center minutes, the last few games and stuff. Like that, that's going to be exciting as a young player, too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, again, I think you brought it up, and I think it was more of a, it's not on Larkin, it's more of a motivation, like a wake up call for the guys left in the room that, right. hey, like this is what it means for our captain for, how bad we've been the past couple of years and how much he wants to win. And right. he's so visually upset. And I mean, it's it, kind of a wake up call and also an opportunity, as you said. Um, yeah. Jeff Flashle, he finishes off his head coaching career in Detroit with a record of 204 wins, 261 losses and 72 overtime losses. And again, it's more indicative to the team he was on, I think, but I mean, there was like, I mean, Obviously, there was a reason Jeff Blasch was let go besides the team, right? I mean, this year proved it. Like, he struggled implementing a structure that worked for this team. It was, it was needed, a needed time. And there were like glimpses throughout his tenure where people, like people like us, were upset with whether it be the development of certain young players, um, the step backs from guys who were viewed as part of the core. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, it's reasonable why there were so many Red Wing fans that were upset and felt like it was. You know, it was way past time, but I don't necessarily agree with that. And I, I like, I look back on Jeff Blashell as a, he was a good, he was a good guy to have in the room for the most part, but it it seemed like, it always seemed like he was a guy, a dead man walking, if you will. In the sense that it was never going to be his, it never was going to be his job long term.
0: Yeah. I don't think he, well, yeah, like put it that way, dead man walking, like I don't think he'd be the coach to lead him to a championship or, like a deep, deep playoff run type of deal. I just, that's how I always felt of him. But yeah, that's, he did well when he was here for, with what he had to manage and what he had in front of him for the most part.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. I thought that like one of the most interesting pieces to this is that Alex Tangay was staying. Yeah, I know. Um, Which makes me believe that the Alex Tangay decision was a big Eisman decision. Because he was – if he wasn't let go, I feel like he is an Eisenman pick.
0: Right.
2: And it's again – go ahead. It's, it's not like the – he was brought in more for offensive purposes, although the, the power play was not great this year, and we would have liked it to be better. There's hands on deck from Blaschel and the whole coaching staff itself with offense and – power play but goal scoring wise there was a step up this year uh compared to last defensively went way down but you guys like Larkin and Bertuzzi had career years I mean Raymond performed you're basically most of top six performed uh there were obviously obvious things to like about the team offensively it was just defensively and special teams were abysmal this year.
0: One what, what other, yeah, very true. But one other thing I want to add too is it's very rare that an NHL team will clean slate like a whole coaching staff. And like those two guys uh, have been there. Well, I guess three with the goalie coach too. have been there for the longest. So maybe it's, you know, the – a Steve pick as well, but also someone like a, a coach that the players were, if they had issues with something or just needed someone to talk to for whatever it may be, maybe Tenge was the guy that they would kind of lean towards because, uh, you know, just approachable or not. So if they're going to keep him on is the assistant coach and role, which I assume they would, like, I don't see him being a head coach. Right. Maybe it's just to keep some familiarity with, you know, if, a player is having a down week or down stretch. He wants, he's not quite comfortable with the head coaching staff yet. Cause it's early in the season. It's still a familiar face to go talk to and just have a conversation with whether it's hockey related, life related or whatever. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And I was happy as well to see that LJ Scarface was also um, sticking around. So we do get to keep the crazy challenges that are so <laughs> successful. Cause that's, he's the guy, he's the video coach. Yeah. So I was I was excited to see him stay. Um and he deserved it. I mean, he's obviously his role in that sense was pretty, you know, apparent. Right. Um but yeah, now obviously this leads into the discussion of who's gonna be the next guy up. And obviously there was some questions about obviously that was a big focal point of what was being said during the press conference from questions directed towards Eisman. And he kind of just said he doesn't want to limit himself to a, style, a certain style or whether or not the coach has NHL experience or not. I mean, we look pat, we look at the last two guys he's hired in John Cooper and Guy Boucher in Tampa. Well, the, last, the only two guys he hired in Tampa. Both guys with zero yeah. NHL experience. Granted, they had long track rates. I'm pretty sure Guy Boucher was also – he had good numbers in the queue along with the AHL. And then John Cooper was USHL obviously up to the AHL and they had success. Um, yeah, so I don't know. What are what are you guys thinking when it comes towards where you think the decision is going to be? Is it going to be a guy with uh,
2: no NHL experience or a veteran coach? I think for me to say whether or not they're going to have it or not is not fair because I truly don't even think guys are in those. I know he said that, but I actually think it's true. I think it's. I think he's literally looking at everything. I don't think it's going to be anyone he knows, though. I think it's going to be yeah. someone that that we're not really expecting. Yeah, but uh, it's odds. Uh, I don't know. I would say they probably won't have experience.
0: A guy. Minimal. A guy I know. He and I were texting today, and he said Rickard has been. Reached out to from Sweden,
1: Ricard Gromberg?
0: Yeah, Ricard. Sorry, Ricard. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Because um, he used to coach with them in the North American League in college, and they're texting back and forth. And he said that he just for like an interview or initial interview and stuff like that. Wow. And I know we had we had mentioned him before. Breaking news. So. Yeah, it's. He said that like he, he didn't say like front runner or anything like that. It's just he's like he was in college. Well, yeah, Eisenman. Yeah, Eisenman made it pretty clear that
1: um, in the press conference he had a couple of names that was rattling in his head, but he didn't, obviously didn't have any. So maybe we can assume that one of those names rattling in his head is Ricard Gromberg. Right. Which and isn't like, surprising. I mean, when we no. look at the, Lidstrom's comments in Sweden of how much he liked Gromberg, and it was like while, obviously, while Blasio was employed, and everyone was kind of like, ooh, okay. Um, but right. Lindstrom was a guy that um, brought in Gromberg for um, – I'm pretty sure it was a world championships. He was a head coach. I think it was 2017 he was a head coach of Sweden for the world championships.
0: His team yeah, in um,
1: Switzerland right. just lost the the championship. They lost
2: in game seven for the Swiss League. Also um, note that – did they – he doesn't coach uh, – who does he coach, Search. Yep. And so Evie Zug, they came back from down three yeah, in the three, series. three, yeah. Yeah, they came back. Tough look. That is a tough look.
1: <laughs> that is a tough look. I Yeah, I was going to try to not mention that for a potential new head coach, but <laughs> if you want to bring it up, <laughs> Grant's already glass half full on a potential guy. I am. That's so, yeah. that's so funny. Um, but yeah, that, that's a guy that obviously has been tied to a lot. I mean, Grant brings up the point of like not hiring your friends. Um, Eisman did say something about in the press conference of how he values having relationships with the guy. Um, not me, not meeting friends, but more so like knowing about them and like having a gauge of what their styles are. So I'm not, I'm not like arguing with Grant in that sense. Well, but-
2: you brought up a point of Lidstrom has direct connection that I see that as correlation and right. enough correlation where it's not too close of where yeah. you're just trusting. Okay, I'm going to go with my buddy here or someone I know of that has. I I I think. If I had to guess, it's going to be minimal NHL experience. You're going to right. go outside the box. You're not going to do – he talked about recirculating coaches that are just going and going and going around in circles. It's not going to be one of the mainstream, it Tortorella, Babcock, all those circulating names.
0: Well, yeah. and in this case, it's not just your buddy that you're getting good reference to. It's the perfect human being, so –
2: uh, I'm I'm talking like <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know, I know when what you I mean. Say, I'm just when saying. I say buddy, I
2: mean more of the coach, not like oh, oh. Lid, Lidstrom's a perfect reference, right? Right. He yeah. has references that he's talking to. It's not just gonna be direct him from who he knows. He's gonna be reaching out to other people that he trusts.
0: Right. Well, that's what I right. you are just like, Oh, you're asking your buddy about this guy. I was like well, it's not yeah. just your buddy, it's it's <laughs> the perfect human being. <laughs> that's what I exactly. thought you were getting at. Sorry.
1: And, right, and wow. obviously this, com- this comes up after, like, two of, like, the biggest um, candidates for the job are guys that Eisman know- knows personally and is friends with. That's why Grant brings it up. Uh, obviously, with Red Wings Land, two of the hot names are Lane Lambert or um, Sergei Fedorov. And I'll start with Lambert. Um, obviously, they're former- they were rookies the same year and were roommates, like, on the road. Um, and Barry Trott's system, which is obviously really appealing, He's like, he arguably is one of my favorite options. And like, I love him and like for him to be a Red Wings coach. But again, it comes with the risk of hiring your friend and actually having to make a decision to fire your friend. But I think Eisenman in the sense that like he's shown that he's not afraid to make tough decisions. Like, I don't think that's going to steer him away completely from it, but I definitely think they will factor in. And also with um, Sergey Fedorov that one's just such a tough one and such a weird can of worms. Cause it seems like the ownership of the team is still unwilling to a retire his Jersey and recognize his greatness for the franchise. And you also look at the geopolitical issues going on between in, in Russia right now and the whole right. can of worms that would be opened to bring over a Russian born head coach. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that all fans would be like awful and blame him for what's going on. But I mean, I think there'd be a, a percentage that would be
0: well you even look at like the questions when this first happened that russian players like Ovechkin had got like like he was asked in an interview well what do you think on this he's like i'm just here to play hockey like I'm that's back home in russia like i'm russian yeah i'm still proud to be russian which you, you'd expect him to say right like this is homeland that's all he's known but like why would it's yeah they have nothing direct to it so right. yeah like you said like he there still be some people asking him about the political issues going on over there. It's like, well, I'm here to coach a hockey team. I'm not part of that, like back home.
1: And it is funny that, like, if you really want to, like, uh, try to look at this a little too closely, uh, it's, uh, Sergei Fedorov won the KHL title the same day Blasho was fired.
2: <laughs> so well,
0: I, I'm just if they do with go, go with uh, Fedorov, I'm just excited for some four on three pull the goalie and three on three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know they
2: if would, I can handle that.
0: I would
1: love every second of
2: that. I would throw up.
1: Um, But there is a certain like the European style of being like very aggressive in a very possession heavy style that I really like. And we have certain defensemen like obviously an Edvinson comes to mind with defensemen that are able to start carrying possessions. So there is definitely an allure in that sense. Right. Um, But again, like with Lane Lambert as well. I know Grant like is he's heavy on the point that they're friends and might not might not happen, right, because of that reason. But, again, I don't think it's going to exclude them. I mean, there's plenty of other interesting options, like young options, too. Um, David Carl from Denver had a really great season. He's 32. And he's what he's done in four years with Denver, unbelievable. I mean, look at, like, how it matched up in the uh, the Frozen Finals or Frozen Four this year, right? Like, he beat a Michigan team that was highly skilled, and then he goes on to beat a – more prototypical college team that's a heavy senior team that's all like 24-year-olds and more defensive style and is able to adapt and beat that. So I think there's something there to be able to win in multiple different ways that I like. And Benoit, Benoit gruel is another guy that's been thrown around, a guy that was – he's the head coach of Syracuse in the AHL, and he was brought in when Eisman was, was there. He would know about that. Um, Ryan Worsofsky in Chicago is an interesting name as well for the AHL. I mean, yeah, like we keep going on. Obviously, there's more European options too. I mean, you look at Cam Abbott, who is the guy who is the head coach of Rogla, with Moritz Sider and William Wallender, who took huge steps under his under his watch. Um, obviously, it's a um, uh, wrong. It's Roger Romberg. That's his name, right? For Lundis head coach. Yep. yeah, he's another name that would be in, an interesting look. Like I like the idea of the Red Wings having such ties to Europe that there are a bunch of outside possibilities. And if there ever is going to be a European head coach again in the NHL, I think the Red Wings are a decent opportunity for that, which I like.
0: It's it's weird because like every time there's a coach vacancy, coaching vacancy in the NHL, like your pool is like directed down to like five max, five maybe the odd like six guy that he's like, oh, you're going to interview him just to get like a viewpoint on how. Things he would change, but you're not actually going to even consider him where the wings could have like 10 to 12 different options or like with coaches, like obviously six or seven, probably like, all right, we're considering this guy, but like they can go through like 12, 13 different interviews. And it's kind of rare because you never know what direction Steve wants to go. Does he want to go young North American old, you know, like where are European, like, or, you know, AHL coach, no NHL experience, no pro hockey experience at all. There's a lot, of, a lot of avenues that can be taken where it's not your traditional coaching vacancy, free agency type of deal for like other NHL teams' experience, really.
1: Right. I do, I do want to point this out that a lot of these names came from uh, Max Boltman's article of The Athletic. Um, that was a really good read. I recommend anyone listening, if you haven't read it already, go read it. Um, he also had a follow-up article with like how the next head coach should be supported and put in a role to succeed. That would mean like improving the team and putting the coach in a better position to succeed instead of saying stagnant mm. and where you could ultimately lead to another situation, which I think Eisman knows that. I don't think he's going to he, go in. With, and he he said it in his press conference that there will be changes.
0: Yeah, I yeah, was that's, that's, that's just going to say that. I going to step in and say that. Like, he kind of alluded to it where Yes, they're moving on from Jeff and stuff like that, but also like there's going to be a lot of, should be a lot of change in a sense. They're going to try to make a lot of change in the
2: right areas. He basically said that he was going to trade Phil Peronic this off and Grant's going to be really excited. Yeah, yeah sorry, I don't know. I, I don't know if he gonna... said that. He said, "I'm, he, I'm working he with." It. Grant. He it. He's he said, "I'm working with Grant on figuring out what the best fit is to regain while trading it, it Phil Peronic." He
0: mumbled it. At, he mumbled it at like thirty five. 13 in the interview if you watch it yeah he
2: said as a phil peronic expert grant wickham will be my resource while looking for a trade
1: oh man yeah that would be something i'm obviously all for that but no he did not say that unfortunately um yeah he didn't he obviously didn't get into names and stuff i really loved his quote about um free agency that he has a huge like he has a long list of great players that'd be a good fit in detroit but he just doesn't know if they're ultimately going to be available. I did love that like he's just being so funny he's like yeah i'll sign a guy if it's gonna you know if he's available wants to come here he's yeah. just so matter of fact with the press and i i love it it's so funny he's not being a he's, jerk either it's just like he's entertaining
0: yeah he's like kind of like give like going like the roundabout answer he's giving you an answer though say anything he's giving you like he's like yeah obviously if like a guy wants to sign here i'm gonna sign him but like is he available and he even said he's like Every free agency, there's like four or five main guys they want to target. And he's like, well, then you go to talk to them and they've already signed somewhere else or they've already had a deal, an extension or something like that. And he's like, oh, well. And right.
2: this he's is kind of off base a little bit, but I do want to bring up about Blashill. That's that I love about him as a person off, off ice, technically, I guess, what, with the media and how good he is with taking questions and taking heat. I mean – Like, for example, the game in Toronto the other week, all the questions were just circulating around everything Toronto. I mean, it was him and Moritz that had the interviews, and every question to Moritz was about Austin Matthews and how good of a player Austin Matthews is. And that's the same thing with, I don't know, any media that Blaschel has to go through. It's just all negative just about and what he's doing. And he's been nothing, but I feel in the interviews, he's never ripping on them and stuff. He's just good to them.
1: No, I, I agree completely. That's a good point. Um, That how well he was and kind, like he was not a mean person at all. Like he was a good dude and it should be. And I, I think he will get another job in the NHL, whether that be on an assistant bench, like as an assistant on the bench or the head coaching vacancy. I mean, there's going to be a lot in the NHL this year with all the uh, interim head coaches um yeah i mean there's plenty of other things to take away from eisman obviously eisman says a lot without really saying what he is thinking which is kind of the allure of the general manager and i i like that in our general manager um again like he credited jeff for leading this team to make to make it so this team wasn't a quote-unquote complete shit show (laughs) yeah i like that quote that was funny um but yeah like really exciting things that he brought up were along the lines of the prospects. I mean he got questioned about Burkrin and how strong of a season he had and he really liked that the areas they were requesting him to get better in that he did and a willingness to learn and how he's going to go to the world championships and hopefully make the team or is he already on the roster? I can't I don't remember. For world, I
0: can't remember. World, cha-
1: world championships, excuse me.
0: Yeah, I can't um, remember, but
1: yeah, either way, it doesn't like, but he did say that uh, he does have a chance to make the roster next year, which is nice to hear. And Edmondson, he said he was optimistic that Edmondson will make the NHL next year, which I thought was a little bit telling. Not that it's surprising. Like I do think Edvinson, and he was comparing Edvinson to Siders year in the SHL. And, I mean, that's all, what all we've been doing as well because that's what we have to base it off of.
2: Comparing, but also noticing the differences because they are right not similar players. He did say that,
1: yes. I'm not
2: yeah saying he was going off that completely, but
1: okay. he did mention how different stylistically they were. Yeah,
2: they are very different.
1: Yeah. But so similar
2: nothing.
0: scenario in the sense of making the jump.
1: Yes. At a yeah, similar age,
0: yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. Right, yeah. And the guy he did seem the most excited about was Elmer Soderbloom. Yeah, I mean, he was he went, pumped. He basically, he's like, after he like pumped him up for about two minutes, he's like, oh yeah, I didn't want to overhype him. Steve, <laughs> Steve, what did you just do, man? He talked about how cool his, his the goal that Andy was referencing early on in the podcast about the Bobby, the Bobby Orr-esque finish that he had where he just basically put a stick around the goalie with his long reach. Um, but, I mean, his impact's been crazy. He he ran into his agent in Germany at the U18s, which I find funny. I feel like Izem just, like, bumped into him on purpose and trying to get him off guard, just negotiate a contract on the spot. Sign him right now. Yeah, he's just like <laughs> – I just find it funny that you just ran into him. At the, I mean, granted, yeah. I'm sure he represents players at the tournament, but like still, I, I think I just think yeah. it's funny how he worded it as if like, it's just you're running into
0: a buddy at the coffee shop after work or something. Yeah, it's a, it's a coincidence. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay Steve. Mm. Yeah, sure. Hey, and Jimmy, phone... I haven't seen you since high school. How have you been?
1: <laughs> yeah. And that phone and that phone call that he was late to the press conference with. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I love oh. how he mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> Like you just can't to tell get me. everyone just... thinking. Yeah, he's just doing that to get everybody thinking. There's yeah. no way you're not just gonna say, "Yeah, what what do you want for dinner, Steve?" Yeah, Steve. Uh, meanwhile, Steve- he's just taking a piss. Yeah, <laughs> he's can like, I you I grab Chinese on the way home, Steve?
1: I told you to put the dishes away, and what'd you do? You <laughs> left him.
2: Yeah, Steve- no, one crumb on, on the counter. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh man. I just, I, yeah, it was so funny to me. Like he, he, do, he totally did that to like mess with people, which I find hilarious. Um, Yeah. I, I love the points about Elmer. I mean, both sides want an entry level contract, which I mean, there was no worry from any of us that he wasn't going to get an entry level contract. Um, And he mentioned that he wants Elmer Vero and Johansson all in North America next year. And I I, I did appreciate that uh, Vero was brought up. He did say he had a good season because that's a guy I really like, and I think he has a chance to make the NHL, even for being a third-round pick.
2: He's a guy that is not under the spotlight like the Swedish guys. No. Uh, it's a it's a league that's very unwatched and unknown, in my opinion. The Liga is pretty unknown. You get different types of players from there, and unexpected players come out of there. Uh, and Vero plays good minutes every night, and he's steady. I don't know. He's a really interesting one, too, as another left-handed defenseman that's in the mix.
0: Right. You'll, I mean, have three, I
2: mean, you'll have most likely three guys coming, three left-handed defensemen at least coming over next year.
1: Yeah, not to mention the the two guys we care about down there as well that are left-handed defensemen in Sabrango yeah. and McIsaac. Yeah. Right. So, again, it goes, goes towards of how much depth we're starting in that position and the questions moving forward. Um... He did say he talked to Nedeljkovic as a a meeting, um, you know, an exit meeting as he was going over to World Championships and they both agreed that he had an up and down season, but Eisman did say like part of that's due to the team, which I did appreciate. And he thought Alex was good at times and wasn't at times, which it's true. And I I hope moving forward and he did mention like approaching free agency and goal um, to get Nedeljkovic some help. Um, I know that Magnus Halberg did say in his presser after his one and only game that he'd like to come back to Detroit. Granted, I mean, he just got NHL money, and I'm sure he'd love to get NHL money again. So (laughs) the the, the comment's not unsurprising. But um, could he be an option? Maybe. But I don't know. I'm sure Eisman will look to see if there's a better option. Right? I know there's a guy like Braden Holpe would be on the market. Um, I think
2: think Halberg's better than Braden Holpe. I think Thomas Christ oh. is better than Braden Holtby. I think Phil Grubauer is better than Braden Holtby. That I don't is... Phil Grubauer is under contract. I'm just saying Phil Grubauer sucks and he's better than Braden Holtby. <laughs> Interesting. Okay.
0: No, I, I kind of agree with that. Ever since he left Washington, his game has kind of
2: plummeted. And he was bad in Washington too. Sorry, I'm getting way off basis, but I think yeah, I don't want him. I was as... just throwing
1: on. An, I was throwing <laughs> on a veteran name for yeah. for example, versus like actually being like us. Or the Red Wings being interested in him.
2: Yeah, I just threw I, a name. I kind of just wanted just, to bash your name. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you.
1: Yeah, I. Wow, got aggressive. Okay, back on track here. Um. Anyway, he addressed, he he said he wants to address in many different positions, and like immediately when I think forwards, like I think of Brian Russ, but that's just me. Michigan guy, likely to sign, maybe I don't know. Um, that can be. That's a whole nother topic for later on, and for you know off-season content, but. Um, I did like that he brought up that the team is taking steps forward and he named Michael Rasmussen specifically on guys, young players moving up the lineup. And I thought that was really like, that was the only guy that I caught that he said on a forward standpoint. So obviously, Eisman's really pleased with the steps that Rasmussen took towards the end of the season, which I think
0: it's great. Yeah, he had a good, what I'd say, 20 ish game stretch at the end there. Yeah. Where he's like, where he, maybe not like, phenomenal every night or whatever but consistently getting better and better yeah
1: right around the trade, right around the, so. trade right around the trade deadline and on like he was one of the few yeah. players that actually kept kept up and improved right as yeah that rough stretch really set in
0: yeah.
1: um yeah i thought there was some funny lines at the end where uh said he he hasn't asked chris chris ellich about the checkbook yet which i thought that was kind of funny um and but obviously Illich has full they have he has the full support of the Illich family. And I wouldn't, you know, obviously that doesn't surprise me. As right. they seem very patient in this rebuild, where a lot of ownership you'll hear along the, around the league, like at Philadelphia, let's say, where the ownership is very antsy and want to rush things. And Eisman did say like he feels he makes his worst decisions when he's rushed and does not want to be rushed by anything, which I yeah, which should be telling a little bit that he's he did say he's not gonna force any trades this summer. That if it happens, it happens. So I, right. I maybe we should maybe not expect a Phil Pronik trade, but I mean, I would love to
2: talk about it. That that to me, screen Phil Pronik's gone.
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah,
2: that it says it all, all over it.
0: <laughs> right, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: I took a lot from that. I mean, took a lot from the press conference. I mean, we can look. I kind of glazed over some of the more so his coaching philosophy, how he, you know, doesn't want to rush the search he wants to have a guy by the draft that was after that was after he he was asked initially and said yeah you know some it's not gonna be tomorrow and it will be before the uh training camp i love that answer Mm -hmm. um yeah but he wants to keep his all of his options open whether it be a veteran guy or a guy with no experience i I do lean to say that it's probably a guy with less experience um yeah but i think it's going to be a a lengthy search. I mean, granted, he's got to get a head coach first, and then he's got to get another assistant, if not
0: two. Right? Well, and a goalie coach, right? Goalie coach, too. I'm mean, Yeah, forget about that, too. How, how um, soon do you think interviews, like, do you think interviews have already started today? No. Or yes? You don't think so? I think they'll happen within the next couple of weeks.
1: Um, I wouldn't he, be, I wouldn't he be surprised if there's one. He blatantly said, like, in the, he was, he's busy finishing up other stuff with the players themselves right now. I mean, he mentioned sure. with talking with unrestricted free agents as well. And basically, he said, he basically said everything but the names of Mark Stahl and Sam Gagne in that sense, with guys right. with families that will be, you know, he basically giving him an answer like, wait to hear from me as I fi- figure out some things or I'll let you go. Right. So right. I, that screams screamed because he's like, guys that have been in the situation before, which was Sam Gagne and Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl was he happened a few days before free agency opened up. I'm pretty sure last year. And then Sam Gagne was pretty quickly after the season ended. If I, if I, if my memory is doing me right, I'm pretty sure that's how that went. So yeah, I, I wouldn't great. be surprised to hear <laughs> answers on one of those guys. If they do get resigned. I mean, I'm all aboard the Sam Gagne train coming back. I thought he really proved his worth down the stretch as well as a guy who performed when the team wasn't necessarily doing as good especially in like a leadership role. Mark Stahl is a guy I kind of pause on if we really want to improve this defense. I don't think he's here. I like Mark Stahl, but I don't know if there's room on the roster
2: for him. Give me a special teams coach. Yes and no. I agree and disagree. I think Sam Gagne has value. Uh, but I don't know. Down, down the lineup, you have a lot of play forwards under contract if you're looking to improve him forward, something's got to happen and give, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of it stems from guys playing too high up in the lineup. Like Adam Ernie should never play above a fourth line. No. He shows nothing above that. And if he's on the team next year and he's in a higher role than the fourth line, I'm upset. With Mark Stahl, you have one left-handed defenseman going into next year. I think Mark Stahl, if you're going to sign Mark Stahl, he's got to be a guy that you're signing right before the end of free agency. When the season starts. You put him on on hold because I don't think there's going to be a big need or want for him, and he's probably going to want to stay in Detroit. And if you can upgrade those two spots, right, one, one being Edvinson, right? You're going to have Edvinson and Wallman going into next year. Who's your next spot? Can you really upgrade that much over Mark Stahl? Yeah. Going into next yeah. year.
0: It'd be interesting. That is to the like question. Even even signing him to a PTO going to training camp, like to see, you know, bring in a couple of guys to see what you have and then sign Stahl to a PTO, see like, how he's
2: I like that too. That's a good idea yeah, too.
0: That's always I that's mean, always an option.
1: Yeah, there was the interesting name that Grant and I talked about quickly. I mean, he can be a guy that we spend more time on in the like more so in the offseason, but just to quickly mention. Jeff Petrie. I know he's a right-handed yeah. defenseman, but I mean, if that you move out, it, li- it goes to a the right erotic. side. Yep. Yeah. And that helps out your defensive corner in a role. I mean, you see Jeff Petrie, how much he's improved under a different coach. He's not cooked. Right. And he blatantly, he's blatantly said that he his preference is to be either in Detroit or Dallas. Now it's angles that said that, right? Eric angles from Montreal for Sportsnet. Yep. Yep. And he's obviously tied. Like he reports on the, the abs. he's, he's well, he's in the know. And it doesn't surprise me. His wife's from Houston, so you get the Texas connection. And then obviously Jeff Petrie's ties to
2: Detroit are well-known. Right. I should obviously mention that Jordan Ostrue is also under contract. But he should not – he won't be playing the top six. He's an
1: eighth defenseman.
2: Yeah. Seventh I only want
1: him – yeah, I want him in only an in injury. I. He's not a guy that I want in – and it, granted, he's fine, like, when he's in. But, again, he's a seventh defenseman. Like, he's not making an impact. To be, I don't want guys that are just spot fillers, which is what we've had the past couple of years.
0: Which is what he is.
1: Yes, like, exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: A warm body. That's what he is.
2: That's uh, why he was signed.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I, I I understand completely what the signing was, but I'm just, yeah. Um I am super excited to see how this coaching search works. I mean, there's so many different names that like I personally want the Red wings to do, and it's never gonna it's not gonna be even one of them. Uh, for sure, it's not, I and mean, it's fine. Eisman's a lot smarter than I am, and we should we should just be along for the ride and wait it out. Uh, we have the time, and uh, I would expect things. I would guess somewhere around late May, like a month from now, maybe we really hear something. You maybe think that later. early? Maybe even a little bit later. I don't yeah, think you're don't
2: gonna hear think. anything till it's uh, over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, when's When's the draft?
1: I've, I forgot, so I should have said more mid June because I thought the draft was in was in uh, June again. Yeah. But it's it's Ju- it's
2: second week of July. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't think you'll hear anything until he actually hires someone. Yep. When's free no, agency I, I, then,
0: I this year? Free agency
1: is gonna be like the week after. I don't know the exact date.
0: <laughs> so it's gonna be like the end. So like second or third near week the, will be draft. And then yeah, the near, end, end near of the, the end, near the end
1: of July. July. I don't know the exact date, yeah. but it's gonna be somewhere around there. It's supposed to be it's me like a it's me a shorter off season this summer because it's gonna start the season's gonna start normally, but Regular. obviously everything's pushed back from playoffs. Um, yeah. Obviously, changes coming to the organization. I mean, it's tough when anyone loses their jobs, especially guys that are so well liked. But I mean, it was time. And we should be excited as Red Wing fans. We're allowed to be. This is a exciting time. Finally, Eisman gets his true choice of his guy. I mean, Blashell, he did he did rehire Blashell, so I mean he was his guy for that second part, but this is like a clean slate that Eisman gets to choose how he's going to mold. I don't necessarily see it as like putting more pressure on that next guy, like they're going to be making the jump and Eisman made sure to say that. But it's going to be interesting to see the choice and kind of the direction where he views the team needing the most help from a coach. Um, Yeah, we can kind of transition into the playoffs. Actually, before we do that, I did want to mention with that last game. It was kind of crazy. Um, the Red Wings did get the eighth over, the eighth best odds for the draft lottery, and it was due to an overtime win with Buffalo in RJ's last game, which I thought was pretty funny. Because Ottawa kind of blew it for us during the week, and Buffalo almost blew it, so we almost ended up with the tenth best odds. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if we were to, no no ninth best with passing Buffalo. Um. So yeah, that was that was something I did. That, I watched the end of that game. Granted, too, but that was fun. But yeah, I think we could transition into playoffs. Do we want to do want to pick series winners or do should I give some questions about the playoffs? Do both. Okay. Do you want to we can do series first? Yeah. Okay. We'll kind of run through this quick cuz we're about 10 minutes from puck drop in the first game on Monday. So I want to quickly get this out. Um, yeah, yeah let's we'll start start in the East. Yeah. Okay. So, Florida Washington How's that going? How you guys see it?
2: I really don't think there should be a question in this one. It looked like Aaron Ackblad to be back in this first game. Uh, I think it should take no more than five games for Florida to beat Washington. Okay.
0: Yeah, Florida in five.
2: Washington in seven. Okay.
1: I went a little aggressive. I don't trust Bob. Granted, I don't really trust the Washington goaltending either, but I think Bob. That's, I think Bob's that's
2: good. what I was just gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. I know Florida scores way too many goals, and yeah, Bob is my X factor in the playoffs. If he can be good, they can win the cup.
1: I think. I think playoff Ovi's gonna be out this year. I'm excited <laughs> to see it. Um, we go on next to one of my favorite series is gonna be Toronto Tampa. What do you got?
2: I'm going nuclear. I Toronto in six. Toronto in the six, they get over the hump against a two-time Stanley Cup champion.
0: Yeah, Backpack. I think ultimately I kind of think Toronto, but I think I might go the length. I go seven.
1: I think I picked Toronto in my actual bracket. I think I was Toronto in seven. So I love I'll you guys.
0: It. Yeah,
1: no, I, I think I think they do it this year. I, I like Me too. I like the Leafs. I like the Leafs this year a lot. Matthews is on a different planet. I think Marner is also going to have a huge playoffs. 'Cause I think this season, like he kind of it seemed like he came at like early on in the season he had his struggles and everyone's like, ooh, it carry it over. But I really think he grew through that. And I think he's gonna be like mentally tough enough to deal with any noise outside.
2: Yeah. I do like I that. I, I we talked about this not long ago, but I see him as an underdog for the consmite this year. Mm-hmm. If the least go the distance, I think he's winning the consmythe.
1: Wouldn't that be the best story?
2: It would be, be awesome. Best. But I, I like just don't want to see lot. Toronto fans happy.
1: No, I know, and that sucks. But. but I do
2: I do like Mitch Marner a lot.
1: I like Mitch Marner. Yes. Um,
0: Hurricanes, Bruins.
2: Bruins and Hurricanes and Seven, sorry.
0: Yeah, Canes and six or seven. Or seven. I, six. Yeah, I got six <laughs> different.
1: I got canes and six as well. Um, regardless of the goaltending, I'm pretty confident in the canes structure. B's are a little bit Besides the high end guys, I do question their depth. I do like their defense. Don't get me wrong. And the goaltending yeah. for them is the biggest question mark. I think of how it shows up. I I have heard things that they might rotate. They might go all Mark, and then go if they lose, go swim in the next game, which would That'd really be, be
2: interesting. that would be really interesting. I like that. I do think I I like <laughs> I do think this would be exciting series though. I right. think this is gonna be a really good one. I think this is one that that I struggled with the most most picking. This in the St. Louis series, but mm-hmm. I do think the Canes are the better team. Yeah, deeper. Me too. Yeah, they're. I think they're
1: better in every position as well. Um. Yeah, finishing up the East. Uh, New York, Pittsburgh.
2: I've got Pittsburgh in six. I, I think Shosturkin chokes. I don't like the Rangers at all. I've been the biggest hater of the Rangers the whole season. Uh everyone has New York in this series. Uh you can't I have trouble betting against Sid and Gino and all those guys after I've faded them all season two. And now they're without Jari and I'm right on their wagon. So they're probably gonna lose. But I got Pittsburgh in six.
0: Yeah, the the Jari one kind of veered my opinion and my initial thought, but I still think Pittsburgh in seven.
1: Nice. I got Pitt. I got pit in six too. Oh good. my gosh, guys. <laughs> Dude, I, I like the pens. I do like I think they're a good team. Uh the Ricard Raquel edition was nice. I do like him there. Sid's a beast in the playoffs, too. And after losing the first round last year, I don't think he's doing it again. Right. Especially right. he, 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 like... he ba- I saw a press conference that he said like this is a chance of like the last time that him, Malkin, and Letang are all on the same team. I think it's gonna mean mm-hmm. something to him.
2: Letang's for me, Adam Fox.
0: Sorry. That was, <laughs> for, that for of me of i grew up a jeff grew up a jeff carter fan so like he's there in what three c right now That's, okay
2: randy
1: that is a randy wickham answer right there
0: hey, hey i've been a jeff carter fan since like oh three boys when he was in the sioux That's That's the reason awesome. why i seven awesome. the longest time i do yeah. like
1: jeff carter a lot jeff carter's a really good player um yeah. moving to the, moving to the west keep her moving along um We'll go with – I'm trying to pick the, the higher seats. I'm trying to remember them. So, uh, Colorado versus – it is Nashville at this point. Yes.
2: Uh, my dark horse was going to be – in this playoffs was going to be Nashville if they were going to play Calgary. I was going to predict them to beat Calgary if UC Saros was playing. UC Saros is now nah, no longer with us. May he rest in peace. I'm super sad because he's, like, my favorite goalie in the league to watch. And now I think – Colorado wins in 4 games. Sorry Nashville.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colorado in like 5.
2: <laughs> yeah, I picked Colorado in 5 as well. I mean I just can't see them winning a game with Dave Riddick in that. Dude, they have to Dave play Riddick, Ingram. He, he is a saber,
1: He has a safe percentage on the season with that 8.86. That's worse
0: than <laughs> Thomas Price. <laughs> you are playing against Never mind,
2: Colorado. No, yeah, I think they're
1: they're
0: one they're game they're... in Nashville. I think Nashville takes one home game. <laughs> the yep, fans I agree. steal it. Yeah, yeah. the bridge, yeah, the bridge <laughs>
1: yeah. down. I, 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 like, I like that pick. I, yeah. I, I'm, I I'm with you.
2: That. Um, That's the only reason it's crazy.
1: Calgary versus Dallas.
2: Um, I made two Calgary different brackets. Two? I, got, I made two different brackets here, and I went totally different on both of them. Okay. I had Calgary and f- six in one of them, and I had Dallas and seven in the other one. For the sake of this podcast, I'm going to go Dallas and seven for Ooh, the excitement. I nice. hate this Calgary Flames team. It's going to be two of the best first lines in hockey going against each other. Then Dallas is literally falls off a bridge after that. But you got <laughs> Luke Lendenning and Vladislav Nemestikov on the team. That's and true. And arguably a top five defenseman. And Miro Heiskanen. Not He's great. Arguably, probably top five. And then you have John Klingberg, who's sick. Uh, Not defensively, but he's filthy. He's fun Uh, offensively. Also, Jake Ottinger is really, really good. But I I hate Dallas. I just hate Calgary even more. So Dallas in seven.
0: I got Calgary in six, but (laughs) I I think (laughs) Markstrom is just going to outperform any goaltender that Dallas has.
1: I got Calgary in five. For the exact reason Grant named that Dallas has nothing after their first line. <laughs> I'm pretty confident in Calgary's lines behind their top line. Well, I've you don't believe in Jamie, Ben, and Tyler's second. He doesn't like to go down, if you know what I'm saying. Jamie Ben uh, doesn't like to go down. I don't get it. <laughs>
0: Can you explain it to me? Ben Diagram? Uh,
1: I will not. I'll explain it after the show. Um, okay. But, yeah, Calgary, Chris Tanov, great. I like Chris Tanov. He's one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, him and him and have been really good this season. Um, I really like Rasmus Anderson as well. Um, and Jake Markstrom, great goalie too. Uh, yeah, Calgary, Calgary in five. Um, then my
2: pick for the most exciting series, uh, Wild Blues. Uh, I've got Blues in seven. I think this is the most interesting series and is going to be the most determining of who wins the Stanley Cup as much of a hot take as it seems. I am 70% sure that the Stanley Cup winner is going to be coming from the West. I think it's either Minnesota or Colorado. I think if Minnesota beats St. Louis, Colorado is going to struggle with Minnesota heavily, and that could determine a loss. St. Louis gets mopped by Colorado all the time, and I think Colorado will breeze through them. But St. Louis is such a tough matchup for Minnesota, and I think St. Louis takes that one, and I think that will help Colorado.
0: Yep. Is Bennington their predicted starter?
2: Who so? No, who so?
0: Yeah. I mean, either way, it's kind of a toss up. I don't know. I I don't really know who I'm picking, but I think it goes the full length. I think that one goes seven.
1: Pick pick a guy and pick a team.
0: Um, Dallas Stars. No, <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. Go Minnesota. They
2: have, I don't know. Okay, Minnesota no seven for Andy. <clears throat> They're more fun. Yeah, I'm going yeah. St. Louis and six. I love it.
1: I I I'm on the Minnesota, uh, the Minnesota, the St. Louis train. Uh, Robert Thomas is my guy. He's so good. Um, Jordan Kyrou's great. Philadelphia Tarasenko's been great. They have nine twenty goal scorers. Man, cool. One line gets shut down. Guess what? We have two others.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can argue the same for Minnesota, though. One line gets shut down. Here comes Freddie, J- Johnny Gaudreau's brother, Freddie Gaudreau, Matt <laughs> Boldy, and Kevin, the Swiss man, Fiala. And then That's that true. line gets shut down, and then the goon line comes out and hammers everybody. That yeah. line gets shut down. Nick DeLore is dropping the mitts and beating the snot out of you. It's going to be a fun and series. Marcus Flannell had about 23 on the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a good, no, no, I'm not, like, discrediting Minnesota no, by yeah, any yeah. means. I'm just saying, St. Louis had like arguably the best scoring depth from a forward prescript- perspective in the whole NHL.
0: This should be the yeah, best series. They did, yeah. This will be, yeah, exciting. And the last what,
2: one, what was that? 113 but, points for Minnesota, 109 for St. Louis. <laughs> it, dude, the playoff
1: structure is honestly the dumbest thing. It is. Like, I mean, look at Maple Leafs in Tampa Bay as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's they need to go back to one to eight for conference. Yep. No,
0: no, go one through sixteen.
1: Ooh. That'd be fun. I
0: love well. that. One. I love that one. Yeah. Nuclear. We,
1: get, we can get it. We can get it in an off-season talk. But uh, yeah, last one. Uh, L.A. versus Edmonton. Edmonton
0: five. Yeah, five
1: Edmonton. I
2: got Doughty, and I got Edmonton in seven. I think L.A. is going to be interesting. I could see this one go. I just don't like them without Doughty, like Andy said. Oh yeah, um, yeah. that's Edmonton has been rock, a rock lately and mike smith is back as much as i hate on mike smith uh the energy with ben and the whole like that story's awesome fan base circulating around them energy flowing i think leon's gonna be a monster i think leon's gonna be an x factor here even if david gets shut down i think he's gonna have a series yeah also our boy yesi yeah (laughs) one quick note about la um you guys obviously
0: saw it, but I thought it was pretty sweet what they did for Brown, given him, oh, what Kopitar actually handed over the C to mm-hmm. Brown. It was his idea um, for his last home game of the regular season. Good stuff. We like to see that. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I love Ante Kopitar. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It's, I do like I do like L.A., and I think they're like kind of an example of what Detroit could be next year if we really like play this offseason smart, so that's why I kind of root for L.A., but again, they don't have – without doubt either,
2: that's a huge piece. That Victor gonna, Arvidsson trade – was very, Rules. very, very good to them. Philip yep. Philip Deneau. Philip Deneau yeah. was also very, very good to them. Those were two really good moves. Yeah.
1: Yep. And uh, so with inside the rink, we did a fun, um, I was part of it along with a couple other writers with um, some playoff themed questions. And I thought it'd be kind of fun for our podcast to kind of go through and do a couple of them. I mean, I've already had my answers, but for you guys mostly. Um. Yeah, I'll just start off with high higher seed that's on high alert for an upset.
2: Carolina.
0: Andy? I guess Toronto. Again, like, I don't know, even though I have them winning, they're just the higher seed. Yeah, I guess that's
1: fair. Yeah. I was, yeah. All right.
0: Um, it's not really um, much of an upset, but I, I get that. But, yeah, um, yeah.
1: I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Uh, best first round series?
2: They said St. Louis, Minnesota, or Toronto and Tampa Bay. Yeah. Those, Those are my answers on. as well. Yep.
1: Uh, series that will go to the most overtime games.
2: Um, Carolina, Boston. Carolina's notorious for overtimes, and so is Boston. Yep, that's my answer as well. <laughs> my answer
1: as well. Um, biggest overall disappointment, East and West.
2: Mm. West, I'm gonna say Calgary. All my homies hate Calgary. Uh, for the East, I don't. I think this division or this heck, I'm going to go with the Rangers. The Rangers are going to lose to Pittsburgh. Everyone's going to be disappointed. I just don't see there being it's hard to be a disappointment in the East. All the teams are so good. Maybe Florida, if your theory comes true, because I do think there's a possibility that they do lose to Washington or they lose in the second round. Mm. I really think this is the year that the Leafs show out. Whether it's just make it to the second round or something else. I think they go to the conference finals this year.
0: Yep, Andy. So yeah, Calgary, same, and then Grant at the end. They're still exactly what I was going to say. Florida because Washington just couldn't squeak one out here.
1: I got a uh, instead. I got the Panthers as well, but I got Minnesota for the West. With all the additions they made with Billy Garen and the cap, how they're going to be next year? They lose. That's a tough one. It yeah, is, but
2: weird. they got screwed from matchup too, right? You finished oh, with gr- a high thirteen points. It's hard to but be I mean, a disappointment that.
1: But it's still, there's it's just how it says, is, though. Well. Yeah, they're gonna make they're gonna have to make so many cap adjustments next year. That's more so my point. Yeah, they yeah. literally
2: they finished it above Calgary, didn't they? Uh, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think Calgary's That's 111 it. points. It's crazy how that works. Um,
1: star who will underperform?
2: Um, I'm sticking on the. I'd say Goudreau or Shesterkin, my two most hated teams right now. Andy.
0: Uh, I'd say Shestergan, Yeah,
2: give me Kaprizov. I like that one that, too. I, he
0: came to my mind, but yeah,
1: I don't know. A non-household name that will that will burst
2: onto the scene. A non-household name. Um, I'm thinking of guys like Pierre Engvall. Is a fun one for me. Uh, I know we had talked about Trevor Moore possibly being a. Really good player in this LA. If LA wants to do anything, they have to have players like that succeeding. I'm also looking at guys like Alex Newhook. I I, I want to see Alex Newhook take a big step in the playoffs here, and Bo Byram too. Um,
0: McKeon out of
2: Toronto. Ooh, I like, that, like that too. Playing the second he's a, line. He's yes. yeah, like
0: he's stepped up his game a lot lately, and he's phenomenal in penalty kill. So much speed out of him too. Give me Dylan Dubay Calgary, yeah, that's my guy. I would have
1: said Alex Newhook as well. That's a good one as well. Um, Canada's best shot on bringing back the cup, Toronto.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm gonna go Calgary. Um, sleeper team from each conference to make the finals:
2: uh, Boston and St. Louis. If St. Louis can somehow get past uh, Colorado. I think they're going to really struggle once they get to the second round.
0: Yeah, St. Louis would be mine. And then out of the East is not really me. So I guess, like, I don't know. no, but I have no clue in the East. Yeah, I guess go, like. Bruins. I have no clue. Yeah, Bruins, I guess, yeah. Actually, no. I'm
2: changing my West answer. I don't think there's any possible way St. Louis gets around Colorado. I'm going with Edmonton. I think Edmonton yeah. makes it past the first round. And they're gonna run to Calgary, Dallas. They clean house there, and then they'll be in the conference finals already. So, right, um, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> Man, that's fun.
1: I got Bruins or Kings for East and West. East and West. The Kings is a crazy, really crazy one, but I kind of like it. Um, dream finals scenario. Who is your like your dream finals?
0: Lord and Florida Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, I think that's the,
1: that's the easiest one. Uh, who who do you guys project to be in the Stanley Cup final? Like your actual
2: pick? Mine's gotta be Colorado, Carolina. That's mine as well.
0: Yeah, I say Colorado, and then either Carolina or Toronto, I guess. But ooh, okay, that's fun. Uh, I don't. I still don't think Toronto can get it. But if they get past that first round, they might catch fire. That's nice.
1: And I think we're all standing on the fact that Colorado will win the Stanley Cup in our minds.
2: Which is interesting because I see everyone having Colorado lose to Calgary in the conference finals. Everyone's brackets I've seen has them yeah, losing. Yeah, the big
1: Calgary, yeah. No, and I'm Col- I am
0: Colorado winning the cup. This yeah. is their year. The only, the, only, the only two things, like, the only two teams that scare me are the, the two juggernauts or, like, are ideally, like, Colorado and Florida. I wonder if they're – they've stacked up so much to, like, have the Tampa effect when they
2: got swept by Colorado. Yeah, maybe. Oh, sorry, when I Columbus, Sorry, Columbus, right, not Columbus, right. The, the only hey, that's team that on me. scares me that Carlos might have to play in the West is Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, if I'm Colorado, I'm not scared of any of those teams besides Minnesota. You've struggled against Flurry ever since he's been in the West. And then also, I just, they're just a team that is really good against almost all those teams. Maybe Edmonton, too, because mm-hmm. McDavid and Drysdale play a really fast. Pace and that kind of does not sit well with them.
1: Right. Um. Yeah. Consmyth winner.
2: I put uh, a bet on it already, but I have Nathan McKinnon winning the Consmyth just because I'm riding that double edge on Colorado. But if I was gonna go nuclear, uh, I throw sprinkle money at Claude Giroux. Mm-hmm. I like think he's gonna have a huge playoffs. And then, if you want to go crazy, I'd throw money at Mark Andre Fleury.
0: I like that. I like those, I like those three. Yeah, uh, for me, assuming that everything, you know, like we just said, Colorado winning it and everything would be McKinnon.
2: Yeah, mine's Nate Dog too. Nate Dog is a different beast when it comes to playoffs at plus nine hundred on the book. Yep. You can't not easy, throw money on easy him. money. Yeah, it's the easy that's, answer. That's easy. Um,
1: and your wildest prediction, we'll finish off with.
2: While this prediction has got to be Dallas to beat Calgary in round one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And is that yours too, Andy, or what is yours? Wild, predict- wild prediction.
2: I don't really have one, so I'm just gonna go with that one.
1: Okay, cool. Love uh, it. We're
0: sure on time. So yeah, yeah. I, I did kind of say mine
1: that uh, Washington upsets Panthers.
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's it, my yeah. that's
1: my Fair. crazy take. Um, yeah, that kind of, that'll do it for our playoffs. Uh, kind of a little preview as as they as they just started, but um. Yeah, we'll do kind of a more so Red Wing season review next week, and we'll do it as we're getting news of the draft lottery because draft lottery is going to be at six thirty next Monday. So we kind of yeah. get that we can we can time that perfectly. We can start right after, so we can kind of get our fresh reactions off that. Um, kind of do a mix between the review of the season, uh, our thoughts on players, and possibly a little draft um, preview. We'll do more so, obviously, leading up to the draft, but we can kind of do a quick one. Right. Um, Yeah, that'll do it for this one. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please support us on Twitter at TPLpod. Subscribe on Apple. uh, Support Inside the Rink. And, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening.